Hello, my name is Lee Shellnut, and I'm the pastor of the Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. That's a mouthful, so we affectionately know of ourselves as HARP. We at HARP welcome you to the podcast of our preaching and teaching ministry. We're grateful that you've joined us. If you're encouraged by what you hear, we'd love to have you subscribe. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we love sharing the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as we preach and teach through the pages of Holy Scripture. So join us now as we open up God's Word. This is the invitation. You may be seated. And as you are, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 51. And if you don't, you can either use the Pew Bible or you can use the bulletin and look on page 9. Psalm 51. We're going to read it in its entirety, but we're only going to take verses 10 through 12 for our text. To the choir master. A psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. 
the word of God for the people of God. I, I don't know where you are this morning, but, but I imagine that you are like me. And if I imagine wrong, you can tell me after the service. But I imagine that you are like me when it comes to this psalm. Oh, how you've prayed it. Oh, how you know it. And oh, how you are like a child. Those of you who are parents, you, you know. You know what it is to have a child who, who says, I, I can do it. Even after you have said to them, no, no, you're heading the wrong direction. You're not doing it right. I can do it. And they pull away. And eventually you just have to let them try and fail. This psalm is the psalm of a pulling away and a watching fail. God left David to himself but for a moment. And you know the story. And the verses that we pick up with this morning, these verses are Partway through this psalm, you know one through nine, the prayer there is, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, you, you must forgive me. Lord, I need you. Lord, purge me. Make me whiter than snow. And you, no doubt, like me, have prayed that time and again. And yet you, like me, probably, probably after you've prayed, you have said, all right, now I have to do it. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I am going to do better. Now, purposing and endeavoring is what repentance is. We are told to purpose and endeavor after new obedience. But where we fall, where we fail, is where we get our strength after verses 1 through 9. If after you said, Lord, be merciful to me, you say, Amen, now let me get to it, and you try to pull up on those bootstraps, you will turn around in approximately a minute and a half and say, Lord, be merciful to me, Amen, and try again to pull up by the boot. You get the picture, it's a vicious cycle. We're like children. Because we rely on ourselves. David at the end of verses 1 through 9 is now turning. He's turning and in essence we have to say, now what? Now what? He's going to tell us. And so here David is going to Pull us back a little bit. He's going to put the stop on our bootstraps as good Americans. He's going to say that's more culture than it is Bible. Come back for a minute. Come back and see your dependence. Because it seems right, doesn't it? All right, now I'm going to go forward. Let me do my best. And, and that's fine insofar as it goes, but it leaves something out. It leaves out dependence on Jesus. 
And so as we get to verses 10 through 12, they are the cry, they are the heart cry of someone who's wrestled with their sin and, and sees that they are unable to go forward and make any change. They are unable to go forward and do anything in their own strength. They are unable. And so they need God to move or they are undone. It must be the work of God fighting sin in our lives or we'll fail. And so as we look at this text, it is, it's a prayer. It's still in the middle of David's prayer. And he's praying for three things in these verses. He's praying for renewal. He's praying for communion. And he's praying for restoration. And I dare say that as you look to your own heart and you think about our own confession today, how we've not loved God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, or our neighbor as ourself, I dare say that as you go forward, unless you are praying, begging God for renewal, begging Him for communion, begging Him for restoration, you're going to walk without assurance. You're going to walk in a in a place of trepidation, you're going to wonder. This psalm is meant to drive you to Jesus. And to drive you to Jesus again and again and again. And so this morning we're going to take up this prayer. We're going to take it up in three points as we look at these verses. As it drives us to see that all salvation is from God, including our sanctification. We're going to see it in David's prayer for renewal. We're going to see it in his prayer for communion. <clears throat> and we're going to see it in his prayer for restoration. His prayer for renewal, for communion, and restoration. So what about this renewal? That's verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. What, what's he praying for here? What, what is David asking for? You need to know he's not asking to have his nature improved. Lord, I failed. Now, now just help me do better. That's not what he's asking for here. He's not asking to have his nature improved. He's asking that it be renewed. He's not asking that his ways be amended. He's asking to be created anew. Now this is David, a Christian. He's not merely praying for forgiveness. He's praying that God would make him more and more after the likeness of Jesus. That's what he's praying for. He's praying for holiness. Create in me a clean heart, O God. What's he saying by asking God to do that? It's not there. A clean heart is not there in and of itself. You must do it. Even on this side of walking in faith. Our prayer must be that God would make us new. Here's the, here's the place where I find myself and, and I I imagine you do as well. 
<clears throat> we imagine that, that growing in holiness begins with a, with a solid commitment to do better. A solid commitment that we are going to change, to turn over a new leaf. And the problem with that sort of thinking is that it is not renewal that we're after. It's improvement. We want to feel better about ourselves, at least in our own eyes. But, but David's saying, no, I need a complete undoing, a remaking of who I am, that you might mold me and make me after the image of Christ. And so he's calling us. Yes, yes, we pursue holiness. Yes, we pursue holiness, but we fail when we think we pursue it in ourselves. No, we pursue it looking to Christ. And so David is saying to us, look for renewal. Look for the one who fights for you. You see, when we sin and we get through the end of verses 1 through 9, and we say, all right, I'm going to do better. I've got to try harder. When we do that, you know what you're doing? You're acting just like those kings of Israel who went out and they counted how many soldiers they had, and they counted how many chariots they had, and they counted the number of spears that they had, and the number of shields, and the number of swords, and they went out to battle without going to the one who would fight for them. Every time. And the Lord says to you, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by the strength of the horse. It's by my spirit. And David, David is on the back side of having sinned in such a way that he would have never imagined. I can do it, God. And now on the back side of that, well, he knows, doesn't he? He can't do it. And so the pursuit of holiness in our life, it doesn't begin with resolve in my heart. It doesn't begin with eagerness on my part. It begins with a desperate dependence upon God that if He doesn't pull through, I'm a goner. Is that your prayer this morning? Oh Lord, I know my sin. I know my ways. I need to be made new. And if you don't do it, I'm undone. One man said, it has to be a creation. That's what he says, isn't it? Create in me a clean heart. He says it has to be, uh, it has to amount to a creation. It is mighty. If there is any greater exercise of power than that which brought all things out of nothing, it is that which brings a clean thing out of an unclean or makes a saint out of a sinner. Is your prayer. As you go forward this day, as you consider your sin before God and your sin and your duty toward others, is it that God would make you new? That you might go forward. And so it's a prayer for 
renewal for a new creation. And it's a prayer for communion. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Is that you this morning? As we look, I've skipped a verse. He's praying for communion. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your spirit, your Holy Spirit, from me. What's he asking as he asks this? Does he, does he think that, that Christians can lose their salvation Is he thinking that sort of thing? No, no, no. He knows better. He knows that the one who began a good work will carry it to completion. That's not what's in view here. But, but he is praying to God that he's not cast off like a leper. That's who was cast off in that day. The lepers were cast off. They were cut off. They were turned out. Think about the picture of sin in the Bible. It's always compared with leprosy. It looks like leprosy. It comes around to being leprosy. And so what he's saying here, God, don't make me like the leper. You understand, don't you? One of the worst feelings in the world is when you recognize sin. You you know that you you have wronged someone and you you know you want to make it right and so you want to go to them and you've done them some harm or hurt and you go seeking forgiveness and they hold you at an arm's length. They want nothing from you. They want to hear nothing of you. Now your relation may not have changed. It could be a parent. It could be a child. It could be someone that you've known and loved for years. Your relation to them has not changed and yet you know their displeasure. And David saying, Lord, Lord, cast me not away. Don't let me know your displeasure any longer. Have you been here? Have you been here as a, as a Christian? Have you, have you found yourself in his fatherly displeasure? And your hope is that you will not see his banishment. There's hope. Hear our own confession. God doth continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified. And although they can never fall from the state of justification, yet they may, by their sins, fall under His fatherly displeasure and not have the light of His countenance restored unto them until until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Here's the picture set out in contrast with that one who would hold you off. Those who know the Lord, who who see their sin, when you see it, you pray to Him. You say, God, renew that communion with me. He does not hold you at arm's length. But instead, instead He's like that father of the prodigal. Right? 
the father of the prodigal, he didn't look off at a distance and see him coming over the horizon, slumped shoulder, maybe limping from all that he had been through. And he didn't say, deserves it. Let him go through some more and get here. Let him walk through the town in shame. Let them all see and then let him grovel at my feet. That's not your God. That's not your Jesus. No, his eyes were constantly scanning, searching that horizon. His his relation hadn't changed. That's still his son. And as he sees him topping that hill, as he sees that outline, he says, "I I know that form. That's that same boy that used to try to do it on his own and his his shoulders would slump. I know that form. And instead of waiting, he takes on the shame. Men in that day didn't run, especially noble men, and especially not through town where the mouths of the gossips would yap. And he takes on the shame and he runs out to meet that boy with open arms and he falls on him with arms of mercy and legs of mercy take him there and he hugs him and he brings him in. What are you waiting for? If if you're waiting for you to get up the courage and the nerve, you're going to be lying in the pigsty. When if you're waiting for you to clean up enough and you're going, to, you're going to make things right, you're never going to come if, if you see your need. You're tired of those husks. All you do is call out and He'll be there. He'll be there with legs and arms of mercy. And so He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me, you know the renewed soul cannot be cast off, but, but presumptuous sinning, it does remove his favor, it does take his delight, and it takes away your assurance. Is that you? Maybe you've been wandering in the far country. Maybe, maybe you were just like that son, and you you say, Well, well. Surely He's not going to take me back as a son. Surely He's not going to receive me back. Surely He'll hire me as a servant. At least they're fed. No. No, He'll take you back as a son. As a daughter. As His child. But until you call out, your assurance will always be shaken. Look to Him. He wants communion with you. The only one he's ever turned his back on was Jesus. He looks at you with a fatherly displeasure. And he waits. He waits. And so call out for communion. But also he prays for restoration, doesn't he? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Is is that you? Maybe, maybe at one time you walked lavished in His grace and you knew the delight of His countenance and you knew what it meant to be that tree planted by streams of water and you bore fruit and now for whatever reason in your life you are in that place that we as Christians say is dry. Dry. Brittle. Dry. Dry. 
You touch it and the leaf breaks dry. Is that you? I'll tell you the greatest source of dryness is not, is not looking to the source of joy and fullness. The greatest source of dryness in the life of a believer is trying to draw in in your own strength and do of your own accord. Oh, no, restoration only comes by looking to Him. Have you tasted the sweetness and beauty of His grace and favor and His communion? And you've been running through the motions and you're doing it again today because you know this is what you're supposed to be doing and yet you're hollowed out. What are you to do? You're to call to Him. You're to call to Him. In the moment you're going to see the links that He went to as we get to the table. He didn't leave it to you then. He doesn't leave it to you now. He will restore you. Have you been seeking it in your own strength, in your own resolve? Usually our problems come when we are looking at ourselves. And here He is, hand out to you, calling to you. Listen to this word from, uh, from Thomas Alexander. A loving mother chooses a fitting place and a fitting time to let her little child fall. It is learning to walk. It is getting overconfident. I can do it. It is getting overconfident. It may come to a dangerous place, and if possessed of all this confidence, it may fall and destroy itself. And so, she permits it to fall at such a place and in such a way as that it may be hurt, wholesomely hurt, but not dangerously so. It has now lost its confidence and clings all the more fondly and trustingly to the strong hand that is able to hold up all its goings. So this David, this little child of the great God has fallen. It is a sore fall and all his bones are broken. But it has been a precious and profitable lesson to him. He has no confidence any longer in himself. His trust is now not now in an arm of flesh. His trust is uphold me with thy free spirit. Restoration comes from the same one that salvation comes. Not from you but from the hand of a loving Father who has let you fall, who has let you wander, who has let you become dry, who has let you turn away from His communion, who has let you walk after renewal in your own strength, that now in this very moment you will look to Him because His hand's already there. And He will lift you again and again and again. From the mire and from the mess and from the muck that you wander into. Where are you this morning? 
Maybe you're still in verses 1 through 9 and you are confessing and you understand there your need of His grace. I will say to you, if you're there when you get to verses 10 through 12, don't turn to your strength then. Look to the hand of your Father. Uphold me with your free spirit. He will do it. Rest in Him. And when you call after and you look after sanctification in your life, maybe you're in verses 10 through 12 this morning. Maybe you're at that point, you know His mercy, and you are saying, now what? It's the same. Look to Him as you pursue holiness. Look to Him as you pursue righteousness. It's not going to be found in you. It's found only looking to Him. And only by turning to Him will you make steps. Because He upholds you. You get in trouble when you try on your own. I'll give you another illustration. When I was a child, I thought I could do it on my own. And so I climbed in the car. Children, don't do this. Don't do this ever. But I grew up on a farm and I had driven enough. And so I jumped in the car and I opened the door and and cranked it up. And I put her in gear and I wasn't expecting it. And suddenly found myself through an orchard and into a couple of trees and came to a stop. The reality is, on our own we make a mess. We are most free when we are looking to Him. I'll give you another one. How I learned to drive was sitting in my father's lap, holding on to that wheel with everything that I had, and Him pushing the pedals, and I knew that I was just going along. But I also knew something else. That I wasn't on my own. He hadn't left me to myself. And I knew that when sharp curves would come, I could look down, and His hand was there on that wheel. And He was going to help me through those times. So it is in your life. Don't be that one who says, I can do it. No, even now as you pursue holiness and grace and righteousness and peace and you pursue after Him, understand that He has you. Look to Him. He'll get you there safely. Let's go to Him in prayer. Oh Lord, renew us. Give us new hearts. Create in us new man every day. Oh Lord, we pray that you will give us your face of communion. Turn to us in fellowship. Do not cast us off, but let us be found coming to Christ. And oh God, restore us. Bring us joy. Don't let us simply fake it. Let us not be hollow shells, but let us look and see your hand that takes hold of us and helps us all the way home. We ask this in Jesus' name.